On today's episode, Eddie and Webby share their homemade recipes for Irish cream. This is the Eddie and Webby Podcast. I thought I told you to put me on the do not call list. Oh, hey, how's it going? This is Webby, not Eddie. And I'm Eddie, and this is our third podcast. Oh, yeah, podcast number three. We did it. We made it through one. We made it through two. And now we're into three. This is crazy. I can't believe that uh, here we are, podcast three. The fans have been demanding that we keep on going. So here we are. We keep on keeping on. You guys know the drill. We talk about beer. We talk about technology. And we talk about pickleball. But before we get into all that, we're going to read some more Twitter comments from our last podcast. Right, Webby? Yeah, Twitter has been off the hook lately ever since we started doing these podcasts. Um, I'm going to open up the Twitter sphere here and see what people are saying. Uh, we got one here from Rosie O. Ronald McDonald. Not since Cheech and Chong has there been such an entertaining duo. Keep on podcasting, my dudes. I like That's it. Pretty That's pretty awesome. Real nice. Thank yeah. you, Rosie. Uh, we got one here from Everybody Poops a Lot. They said, Wow, I can't believe you guys actually did more than one podcast. I thought for sure YouTube would have canceled your show by now. Okay. Yeah. All right. Uh, thanks for the feedback. Yeah. I f- started off it. good. I thought that was going good, but it wasn't, uh, wasn't going where I thought it was. But anyway, no. thank you. Thank you for the comment. Um, let's do one more here. We've got one from uh, at Hillary Clinton Township. I'm glad I learned not to judge a book by its cover. At first glance, at Eddie and Webby seems like a couple of bumbling idiots, but they are actually quite witty, funny, and charming. All right. I'll take that. Yeah. That was very nice of Hillary to say that. I appreciate it. Yeah. So, what's on your mind, Eddie? Well, like always, I like beer. You like beer, right? I do. I do like beer. I think we should do... A beer tasting. Hey, I like that idea. That's a great idea. Well, if you like it so much, why don't you share with everybody the beer that we are going to be tasting today? I don't mind if I do. I actually just so happen to have a beer right here from New Belgium Brewing. And today, the beer we will be drinking is called Citradelic. Yeah. I have not heard anything about this beer before. Are you familiar with this? I'm not familiar at all with it. I have seen it on the shelves for quite a little while, but I have not heard anything about it. This will be the first time I have sipped this beer. Yep, I have. uh, Until you mentioned it, I had never even seen it in stores. Uh, You mentioned it. I looked for it. I found it, and uh, I've got it. Nice. No, I do know that Citradelic does come in a couple different flavors. We have the Exotic Lime Ale, right, Webby? You are correct. The Citradelic Exotic Lime Ale. Yeah. I'm super excited about this. Let's go ahead and pop the tops and start pouring while we talk about the company and the beer a little bit. Let's do it. So this is from New Belgium Brewing. They are out of Fort Collins, Colorado originally, but now they also have a location in Asheville, North Carolina. I'm sure you guys have heard of their flagship beer called Fat Tire. Uh, it made its way to a lot of states about, what was that, four or five years ago, Webby, when it made its way to Michigan? Yeah, it was very, very popular at the time. 
Yeah, everybody was really excited about Fat Tire making its way to Michigan because prior to that, you really couldn't get it outside of a lot of places on the West Coast. A little bit about a new Belgium. They were founded in 1991 in Fort Collins, Colorado. And as of 2016, they were the fourth largest craft brewery and eighth overall largest brewery in the United States. A couple of their other beers that I'm sure you guys have seen, their Voodoo Ranger IPA, their Pilsner, and La Folie, which is actually a sour brown ale, and it's by far one of my most favorite sour beers that are out there. Hopefully, Webby and I will be taking a trip to Colorado again in the near future, and I'm wondering if we should maybe take a trip to Fort Collins to check this place out. What do you think? I would definitely be down with that. That sounds like a, a very nice idea. Awesome. Well, I think we should do that then. Why don't we jump into the beer here? Uh, this is described as a crisp, refreshing golden ale bursting with juice, juicy Persian lime, freshly ground coriander, and a hint of cracked black pepper. Hmm. So one thing I'm noticing is this is probably the clearest beer I have seen in a very long time. It's like very, very see-through and clear. Yeah, I definitely agree with you there. From an appearance perspective, this is crystal clear, very golden. He almost has like a like a green hue to it, which is very interesting. So it was actually hard to find a BJCP category that this fit into, but I chose 29A, which is a fruit beer category. It's a very broad category that a lot of things fit into, but I'm assuming that there is either lime juice or actually lime in here. So that's why I went with this category. Now the ABV on this is 5.2%, which is, you know, a decent beer. Um, it's a little bit more than like a light lager. Uh, 21 IBU, so it does have very low hop bitterness, and it actually is available year-round. We did talk about the appearance a little bit, and you know, there's really not much to say. Very light white head, but very clear. Un like very, very clean and clear-looking beer. Would you agree with that, Webby? I would absolutely agree with that observation. Nice. Jumping into the aroma, let's get our sniffy sniffers in there and see what we uh, see what we can smell. Speaking of aroma, I don't know about you, but like as I was pouring it, I could smell instantly um, almost like it. To me, it almost had like a skunky type smell. I don't know if I have a weird one, or did you experience that as well? Or I didn't get much skunk from it, but skunk is a typical smell that you'll get from a lager. Uh, where in the fermentation process, it kind of gives a sulfury, skunky smell to it. Uh, and then sometimes also with beers, if they are exposed to sunlight, then they can actually get a little skunky as well. But skunk smell is not something you want in a beer, but it is something that does happen in beer. Now, I feel like I don't smell it nearly as much now that it's poured, but when I first cracked it open, I, I do feel like I got hit with a bit of skunkiness. Yeah, very well could be. And again... You're getting it in Michigan. I'm getting it in Florida. Who knows what the conditions of the beer were as it was being transported to our different states. Uh, but I did not get any skunk at all. But okay. I'm not surprised that we're getting different things in the aroma. I'm definitely getting a lot of lime in mine. It's kind of overwhelmingly lime, almost unpleasantly lime. It doesn't seem like it's very well balanced in the aroma. It's basically just like lime. It's like a Bud Light lime almost. Yeah, and, like, and right now I do feel like I'm smelling a lot of lime. I mean, that's all I really get is lime. It, I mean, it has a little bit of a, a beer smell to it, but it's mostly just lime to me. I can't, yeah. I can't really get past all the lime, to be honest with you. Hmm. All right, now on to the flavor. You remember how to, how to do a little sippy sips here? 
And I forget, do I do I gargle or no gargle? The pros gargle? Depends. Yeah, with this one, you definitely need to get a good okay. gargle in there. Mm. Mm. Oh, I just spilled. That was good. Um... Yeah, what are you getting in the uh, in the flavor there, Webby? Uh, definitely a lot of lime flavoring. A lot yeah. of lime flavoring. Yeah, I really, uh, to be honest with you, that's all I taste with this beer is just lime. I don't, yeah. I don't really get any grain. I certainly don't get any hops. I just get like a carbonated, limey malt beverage is what I'm getting. Yeah, that's exactly how I would describe it too. It's almost like a, like a flat limey soda pop yeah that's all i'm really getting it's just it's just overwhelmingly lime to be honest with you it just tastes like a lime beverage that might have a little bit of beer maltiness to it yeah mm. very <clears throat> seems like a very watered down type of beer with a strong lime flavor to it yeah which is interesting because at 5.6 percent this is this isn't a a very strong beer, but it's definitely not a light beer that I would have expected from the flavor. Right. Hmm. Now, mouthfeel. I'm getting a lot of carbonation here, kind of like a soda pop, but it sounds like on your end, your carbonation is much less than a soda pop. Like, it's definitely got the carbonation, but, like, nowhere near a soda pop in ski. Yeah. Yeah, mine's, my carbonation is pretty, pretty good, pretty high up there, which leads me to believe that the conditions of this beer being transported to our different areas uh, were different or yeah. could be from different batches or who knows. But, yeah, it's it's got a nice mouthfeel to it. It has a little creaminess to it. Definitely nice carbonation. So I like that. So overall impressions, what do you think of this beer? Um, not going to lie, I'm not a huge fan. I probably won't ever buy it again. Um, if people had it, in the cooler at the beach or at a pool party or something, I would absolutely drink it if they had it. But I don't think I would see myself going to the store purposefully to purchase this beer. Yeah, I'm with you as well. This isn't something that I would strive for. If it was the only beer left, I might have it. Uh, but if there were other options, I'd probably choose a lot of other options that I don't even necessarily like. For example, I actually think I would take a Bud Light Lime over this beer, and I hate Bud Light Lime. This thing to me is just, it's just too much lime. To me, yeah. a good beer, a good lime beer has a hint of lime, a pleasant amount of lime in the taste and the aroma. And this is just over, overwhelmingly lime in your face. Yes. It, maybe if there was some hot bitterness, I might like it, but I don't know. I don't think, if, if I never drank this beer again, I think I'd be totally fine with it. Yeah, I like you said, I feel like if there was some hoppiness that it ended with, it could be really, really good. Yeah, it just I feel like it needs to taste more like beer because it just to me it's a very very watered down tasting beer. Yeah. With lime, a lot of lime flavoring to it. Yep. Overwhelming. Yep. So in podcast one we chugged our Oberon. In podcast two we decided not to chug the Neapolitan Stout. <laughs> what do you think about this one? Honestly, I think this is a very chuggable beer, so I think we should do it. All right, let's do it. It might not taste that great, but it's chuggable, so therefore, I think we shall chug. Let's do it. Ziggy, 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 ziggy. Oi, oi, oi. Three, two, one, go. 
Oh, God. <clears throat> it's just pure lime. It's like yeah. I chugged lime juice. Ugh. Yeah, I feel. I almost feel like I had a, a glass of water with a lot of limes squeezed in it. Not even limes, like lime juice, like you said. Like the, the plastic lime container that you get at the grocery store. Somebody took some water, squeezed it in there. Um, it was like, like flat carbonated water with a bunch of yeah. lime juice in it. <laughs> yeah, I think it's an insult to water to say that. But uh, I, what's crazy to me is that this beer sells enough to where they have it available year-round. I, I don't wow. understand that. Yeah, that's but. very surprising. But at, actually, I would say the younger me, the, the me pre-craft beer, probably would have actually liked this a lot because it's so watery. Before I actually liked the taste of beer, I could see myself going for this. This day and age, I would not recommend this beer, but people that aren't really beer drinkers might go for this. So when you say a younger version of you, do you mean like the 40 of Ice House young or like the Bud Light <laughs> Platinum in the bottle young? Um, I'd say like maybe in, in between the, the Ice House version of me <laughs> up until Bud Light Platinum. Nice. Would have gone for this beer. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's pretty much uh, how I sum up this segment. Well, good. Well, I hope you guys enjoyed that beer review. As always, if there are specific beers you would like for us to taste and share our opinions on, throw in the comments below, right down there. We are happy to. Uh, we're happy to do it. Let yeah. us know, and we just might do it. We just might. In fact, I, I bet the odds are very, very good that we would do it. So. <laughs> Only yes. one way to find out. Leave a comment below and see if we do it. Yeah. See what happens. Yeah. All right. What's next? What are we talking about next? So uh, do you have any technology-related <clears throat> things to discuss today? I do. Um, as I mentioned in podcast numero uno, I had just gotten the Sony a7 III camera. I'm actually recording on it from that angle over there right now. I'm pointing to it. Uh, and I love the camera. It's awesome. So I want to talk today about the Sigma MC11 mount converter for Canon EOS and Sigma lenses for a Sony E-mount camera. So I purchased this so that way I could use my Sigma 18 to 35 lens along with my Canon EOS lenses on my new Sony camera. <clears throat> now I've been able to uh, use it a little bit for both photography and for video and I have to say I'm super impressed with how it works a lot of people say that when you buy a new camera you always want to have native lenses for that particular camera because they work the best when it comes to autofocus image stabilization things like that so I was a little worried about it at first but I can tell you that it absolutely works great uh, for photos I've been using autofocus uh, and zooming into my photos after I take them just to make sure that I catch the focus properly and I got to tell you it has caught it every single time. So the autofocus features on both the Sigma and Canon lenses that I've used with it work perfectly. Very nice. I love cameras that have a good autofocus mode because sometimes, like, there's nothing worse than having it in manual focus mode. You think you have it just right, and then you record it, and it's just off by a little bit to where, like, the subject isn't in focus, and then you're kind of screwed. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think manual focus is good at certain times, but... With the way the cameras are going with autofocus, it's good. 
The one thing I will tell you is that the lens hunts a little bit more than the Sony lens that I have for the camera. And by hunting, I just mean using the stepper motor that goes to put the object in focus. It seems to take just slightly longer and hunts a little bit more to be able to nail that autofocus. But it gets there pretty quickly. Nice. Yep. Uh, most current Canon or Nikon users are hesitant to move to Sony right now. And I understand that you probably have a lot of money invested into lenses and glass, you know, things like that for your Nikon or Canon cameras. But what I'm telling you is with this adapter, I think that you're going to find that making the switch to Sony, which in my opinion is kind of leading the way now and features with cameras, uh, you're not going to feel like it's a total waste of investment with all the current glass you have out there. You can definitely use it. So I would highly recommend this. It's definitely a great product to get. And if you want to make the switch to Sony, I'm telling you, give it a try, use this, and you can use all your lenses. It's pretty awesome. Well, very nice. Thank you for the information. And uh, speaking of products to get, I noticed you're wearing a, uh, a fancy Eddie and Webby hoodie there. I am. Yep. Do you like, do you like uh, the hoodie that I'm wearing? I do. I like it a lot. Nice. In fact, I, I like it so time. much, I wore it in uh, podcast number two. Not sure if anybody remembers that, but that happened. Yep. I'm pretty sure everybody that's watched this podcast has already watched podcast two and therefore absolutely remembers it. So For, I sure. Think, For sure. I think we're good. Oh, and speaking of Eddie and Webby products, I just realized I'm wearing an Eddie and Webby t-shirt. What? It's almost like we planned it. But we didn't. We didn't did we? at all. No. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, nice. I mean, if there's anybody out there that is interested in Eddie and Webby products like T-shirts and hoodies, let us know. If we get enough comments and feedback from people that want them, we just might mass produce them. All right, Webby, are we, uh, we going to talk about some pickleball stuff? Oh, for sure. Can't do a what podcast we... without talking about pickleball. Are you kidding me? So what should we talk about when it comes to pickleball today? So... I think what we should talk about today are the different types of people that we encounter while playing pickleball. There's like uh, a few different types of people, not necessarily people that we like to encounter, but I feel like everybody that plays pickleball somewhat regularly does encounter these people, and I feel like we should uh, talk about them here today. So the, the first type of person I want to talk about is the take it way too seriously person so you've got the people that just uh they kind of suck the fun out of the game they go by every rule they'll complain about everything um have you ever encountered somebody like this yeah so i play with a couple people that take it so seriously and they really more take it seriously where anytime they screw up it's like the end of the world they throw their paddle they get super angry they get mad and it's just not fun to play with them yeah, I agree. I've I've definitely played with people like that. And if I'm on their team, it makes me play worse, I feel like, because I feel like if, if I mess up, are they going to blow up at me? And then if they mess up, I, I don't like seeing them get down on themselves. It's just, uh, it's not a fun time. No fun. No fun. No, no fun. fun. All right, what, what next? Who, who's the next uh, player that... Kind of of related to the first one a little bit. Uh, So another type of person that I encounter quite a bit is it's always out of bounds guy. Like I feel like no matter what, if it's anywhere close to the back line, they're calling it out of bounds, whether it is or not. Yeah, those people drive me crazy, man. There's definitely somebody I play with like that where 
I mean, it is obviously inbounds. And we'll even have people that are sitting out a game and they call it inbounds, and he will argue to the death that it was out of bounds, and it was so obviously inbounds. Drives me nuts. Yeah, it's very, very frustrating. And, uh, like, usually the people that I've encountered, they'll take it to the extreme to where, like, the other team will either give in or you can tell the times where he knows it really wasn't out of bounds, and then he'll push for, all right, well, uh, if if you really think it was not out of bounds, just right. let's go ahead and redo it then. <laughs> <laughs> It's like, yeah. like he's doing like you a favor by redoing it when he knows for darn sure it was not out of bounds. Yeah. Yeah, I hate those people. Drive me nuts. Um, another type of person that uh, that I see pretty regularly are the don't give me any advice people. Um, yeah. So people, I'm sure everybody that plays pickleball knows that people are always down to give suggestions or point out things that you did wrong, trying to give you some pointers on how to how to get better. But there's some people that just, they take offense to it. They they don't like any criticism whatsoever. And uh, do, do you ever see that when you play in Florida? Yeah, definitely. I mean, there's certain people that it's like, sometimes you just want to share with them and be like, hey, you know, good shot. Or, hey, you know what, maybe come up to the line a little faster with me next time and stuff like that. They don't want to hear it. They don't care about what you have to say. They're so insecure that... They're just going to play their way, and they don't want to listen to it. And it's frustrating. To me, if you want to grow in pickleball, you have to be willing to take the feedback from other people that you're playing with. Oh, for sure. And it sure. doesn't mean you have to act on it. It right. just means that it's good to learn. You, you can get nuggets of knowledge in anything anybody shares with you. Oh, for sure. And I, I appreciate it. Like, I, I love the fact that people will point out on the things that I'm doing wrong and how to do better. And sometimes, like, if I try to implement it right away, I feel like it kind of gets in my head and I do a little worse. But once I understand what they're saying and I can implement it properly, I definitely see improvement in my gameplay. Yeah, definitely. I think it's a sign of a, of a confident, secure player to be able to take advice and, and act on it. And let's go over one more type of person, and I feel like everybody that, that plays pickleball has encountered this type of person, and it, I feel like if you don't dislike this type of person, you probably are this type of person, and that is the bangers, the people yeah. that just bang the hell out of the ball no matter what. Uh, they could be playing against an 85-year-old, um, somebody that maybe just is just getting just recovering from an injury, so they're trying to take it easy, but they don't care. They're going to slam that ball right at you, and you better have some protective eyewear on or just have great reflexes because that ball is coming right at you super hard. I don't think they know what the word dink means. Yeah, I definitely play with a couple of people like that, and it's a little frustrating. Don't get me wrong. I think there's a time and a place in every match to be able to hit a couple of those bang shots, but when you're doing it every single time in order to try and be able to get a point, and you're also doing it every single time and going out of bounds just as much as you're hitting people, I think it shows that you're not working on the aspects of the game that are going to make you more successful, like the finesse, the dinking, all those shots that go into really excelling at pickleball. Oh, for sure. And any time that I've watched the professionals play or like the, the, the final the finalists in tournaments, they, they're big on the dinking game. Like there's, it almost always comes down to everybody at the line dinking and then somebody taking advantage of a mistake somebody makes. I, I rarely ever see banging going on when it comes to the real high-class players out there. Yep. So, for sure. Yeah, so the, those like the, the, 
top of the list of the people that I, I dislike encountering while playing pickleball. And I'm, I'm sure a lot of our viewers out there probably have encountered these people pretty regularly. Yeah. And if you guys have encountered different types of personalities on the pickleball court that frustrate you, throw them in the comments below. We'd love to hear about them. And we will also maybe discuss them in a future podcast. Oh, yes. Very much so. Anything else, Webby, that you would like to share before we uh, sign off here for today? Uh, I think that's about all I've got for everybody today. What about you? Well, I definitely want to thank everybody uh, for being here, the two or three people that are still listening <laughs> up to this point. Yeah. Really appreciate it. That's awesome. Uh, any of the products we talked about today, we'll have links to below. Go ahead and check those out. And as always, I know we bring it up constantly, but we're serious here. We want to hear your feedback, good or bad. Throw in the comments below. Uh, follow us on Twitter and Instagrams, Insta, Instagrams, at Eddie and Webby. I'm Eddie. And this is Webby, not Eddie, signing off. So yeah.